Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. I'm Gina Caminetti, and I have the privilege of serving on the lead team here. And I'd love to welcome our Boardman campus. I'm so glad you're with us. And big shout out to our guys at TCI and Welcome to our online congregation. So glad you're all with us. I'm very excited about today. They let me pick, I would say, the most important core value. And I'm really confident about the fact that it's the most important because Jesus told me it was. He also told you it was. Um, There was a student of the law asking Jesus, uh, out of all the commandments, in all the commandments, and there were so, so many in the law, what is the most important? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Easy peasy, right? And oh, by the way, one more, why don't you love your neighbor too as yourself? So easy, this stuff Jesus gives us. And so um, he said, that's the first thing to do. And, Our core value that we're going to be covering is we fight for our first love. And so it's just about giving Jesus, giving God everything we've got, all of our might, all of our strength, all of our mind, all of our soul, everything. And so we're going to cover that. Where does this phrase, first loves, first come in? I want to read that to you. Um, Comes in the book of Revelation. By this time... um, The Apostle John is about 90 plus years old. He's on the Isle of Patmos and Jesus appears to him and he gives him seven letters to the churches. The first one is the church of Ephesus. And this is what he says to them. He's gonna give them a report card, so to speak. To the, uh, so Revelation 2.1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, so that would be the pastors, and walks among the seven golden lampstands. These lampstands are these churches who shine a light. So he's speaking to the pastors. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. So he's given them quite a few things they did right. Now he's going to tell them what they're missing. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The the, uh, light that they were giving to the world, the influence they were giving for Christ would be removed. But you have this in your favor. He liked to end on a good note. (laughs) You you have this in your favor. You hate the practices, oops, sorry guys, of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So that's a mouthful, but this is where the phrase first love, the love you had at first, we fight for our first love. This is where it all comes from. And it's tricky business because these 
Ephesians, they were doing a lot of things very right. As a matter of fact, I think they were way more right than I am in my walk often. So I wanna go over some of the things they were doing right. So first of all, they had endured hardship. Now we're not just talking like first world bad hair day hardship. We're talking about heavily persecuted times for the church. Uh, During this span of the lifetime of that church, you had the Apostle Paul started it, you had Timothy pastoring. By the time John is uh, writing this, now we're, we're all these years into it. And this is a time where some very evil emperors have ruled, Nero at first, and then completely insane Domitian. Domitian, uh, and these are narcissist, cruel guys. They uh, demanded, Domitian demanded that people would worship him as a deity. And so you could see the predicament that the Christians are in because they know they're supposed to worship the Lord their God with all their heart, not some man. And so uh, if you didn't do that, it would be at the cost of your life, imprisonment, Uh, And it was not just like a real quick, you know, uh, your life is over. I mean, it was was cruel. There were coliseums. Christians were thrown into these uh, to a cheering crowd. Wild beasts would destroy them. And this is what they were facing. So these Ephesians were willing to lay their lives down for Jesus. So let's put that on the report card. Check that off the checklist. Have you had to face death for Jesus yet? I haven't, and I pray we don't have to. Uh, They were also very, very hardworking. Ephesus was a huge, influential city. And so many people, many Christians um, are coming to Ephesus. They're coming to see Paul. They're coming to see Timothy, John, the mother of Jesus, Mary lived there. Uh, in John's care, and they're coming and they're traveling through. They're all going through these hard times. And so they're coming into Ephesus and guess who all of these travelers are staying with? The church of Ephesus in their homes. So, you know, how many of you have ever taken a family vacation and thought it was interesting to all get along in one week in in a bed and breakfast type place, whatever? Complicated enough. Can you imagine if your whole life, as uh, your your way of serving God was to have people in your home all the time, people you may not even know, and they're they're hurting, they're going through a lot in their lives, they're seeking prayer, they're seeking um, you know wisdom, all of this. These people, this is this is not an easy thing. They are working hard. They are also uh, really, really meticulous about doctrine. In those days, uh, there were hideous doctrines going around. Um, Because uh, Ephesus was an influential place, it was sort of like New York. If you could make it there, you could make it anywhere. Um, And so even false apostles would come through, people who would try to be influencers, so to speak. They would come to Ephesus to make a name and they would bring false doctrine other than the one Christ had given. And so the the Ephesians said no to that. And it came at a cost. Um, Also then, even just in Ephesus alone, there was tons of idol worship. And it was very common practice for uh, religious people to go into the places of worship 
and um, even just practice sexual immorality with the priests and priestesses. It was a, a time like no other. These are thing, not things we face, and yet they were facing them very, very well. They were saying no to that kind of thing, and Jesus is commending them. He does notice all that, and he commends them, but he says, you have still, you've left your first love, and you know, I'm going to tell you, I think that's like puzzling. Like, how could I say I could give my life for someone and then be accused, um, you know, for, for losing my first love? Well, I, I'll give you a real easy illustration. How many of you have ever heard someone say, my parents, I'm very grateful for them. They love me. They put a roof over my head. They clothed me. They sent me to school. But I had no relationship with them. I've heard people say, my parents never told me they loved me once, that kind of thing. Have you ever heard anyone talk that way? Some of you may feel that way, that the parents were checking off all the boxes, but they weren't necessarily engaging relationally, giving their all. They were giving maybe their finances, they were giving their advice, but they were not giving their emotional, uh, their soul, their heart, all of that. And so it's very easy to lose that. I'll give you a, a, an everyday example, less dramatic than that. You know, my dear husband went through some medical issues in, in May. And, oh, I tell you, during that time, I was, oh, anything you need? What do you need? I, my focus was on him. I love you. I love you. I love you. All of that, you know. Three months later, he's doing well. I'm sitting on my easy chair watching baking shows, and the poor guy tries to talk to me, and I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> and, you know, and you can, be, you know, it's so easy to go through your day with an agenda, and that person who you love, I would give my life for you, I would, and I know you would give your life for me in a minute, but I'm not giving you my attention and my agenda. That's a whole nother story. And so it's so easy to lose your, um, your first love. You have to fight to keep it. And so, you know, just all the time, I'll be in my, like, agenda. But we're both kind of structure people with a real plan for the day. And we're both moving through our day just like a choreography. We are just moving through the day beautifully, meticulously timed. But when the poor guy wants to talk to me, I find myself really polite, you know, the first few times. And after that, I'm like, <clears throat> you know. But I realize on the inside, I think, hey, idiot, <laughs> look what you've got here. You have your husband. He's the greatest guy in the world. He's so full of wisdom. He's there for you when you need him. He, you know, talk to the man. Find out what's on his mind. Listen to the man. You know, and, and it's like, are we willing to interrupt our day-to-day -day agenda to love the people that are our priorities? And we do this with God because we have our agendas in life, don't we? And God is there. He is with us. He said that he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us 24-7, and he is speaking to us all the time. The question is whether we're tuning into him. Or are we so much about our own agenda? And look, you can go through all the checklists. You could be a hard worker for Christ. You can do all of these things and still miss out on tuning in. So the more you focus and give somebody your attention, if they're your priority and they're a good person, 
you give them your attention, the more you will grow to appreciate and love and give them all your heart, soul, mind. Now, this is tricky business, and we're not very good at it. And so, you know, that's why Jesus has to step in, and he has to be the one to tell us, guys, I'm going to give you a little report card. That's not so he can just be mean to us. He's trying to help us course correct on planet Earth, okay? So we can have a better life now and a better life eternally. So, um, you know, this happened uh, in a real natural way when my son Joe was small enough to still go to the mall in a cowboy costume, gospel bill for all of those who remember, and, um, and to be in a stroller, um, but old enough to be a big boy away from his mom. And so my, ma- my mom and my sister Michelle were in town and they wanted to take him to the mall, just the two of them, and do something really, really special for him. You know, they were gonna buy him treats, they were gonna buy him toys, they were going to have just a great day, let him play in the playland. And, you know, so I knew it was gonna be a great day. I know they love him. And so, uh, you know, pack everything up, send him off. And he announces to them, um, as whatever they were telling him to do that he didn't wanna do, he announces to them, I don't have to listen to you because you're not my mommy. Well, I mean, that kind of implies that if it were me telling him to do that, he would have listened. But, you know, that was a different thing. Um, So anyway, but what he didn't understand in his little two or three-year-old brain is that if he could just trust that Aunt Michelle and Grandma had a better day planned for him, he would not have worried about strapping in the stroller or not running off here or there because their correction and direction, that was for his protection. They were doing that for him because they could see the bigger picture. They wanted him to be safe. And it's the same way with Jesus. He gets to be the one who's the boss of us, but it's not because he's trying to destroy our lives or ruin our fun or do just be this heavy-handed taskmaster. Because, you know, when you hear what he does say to the Ephesians, sometimes you think, whoa, that's like a little tough, Jesus. Is that really even fair? But here's the thing. We're kind of like those three-year-olds, that we can't really see the bigger picture. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We're not going to completely understand all of them on planet Earth. We're just not. We have to, at some point, trust that this God who paid the ultimate price for us, who loved us with his own life. I mean, when Pastor Joe was talking about his beard, it's a new way for me to even understand how much pain he went through for you and I. Every day I'm discovering that more. He's the one who's giving us this correction, direction, protection, all of it. It's not to ruin our lives. So we want to keep that in mind and um, realize At some point, we have to be able to say, God, I don't even understand why you tell us to forgive an enemy or do this, lay down our lives, pick up a cross and follow you. But at some point, I just give you my life, okay? Now, this first love, so the idea is the more you can look at him, the more 
you will love him. The more you can focus on him, the more you'll learn to love him. And so um, it kind of begs the question, when you hear about people talking about first love, sometimes it's like, oh, it's like when you're on your first, uh, you know, first uh, year with your, uh, you know, the first person you love and, and how you get really gooey and excited and chills and stuff. Not everybody has that experience with God, you know? My husband is someone who had that experience, a very radical feeling of love and appreciation of God's love when he, the day he gave his heart to Jesus. And that's because he had been going through a very devastating time. They had lost their brother. Um, it was a, a bitter time because they lost their brother at a church event. Uh, they, you know, he was already on course going in his own ways and that was kind of self-destructive. So by the time he was ready to give his life and heart to Jesus wholeheartedly, he had the feelings to go along with that and he was all in. I was completely different story. I was already kind of a nice little Italian Catholic girl. I was not getting into a lot of trouble. I already had a love for God. I didn't understand very much about the doctrine of salvation. I didn't understand that much about the Bible. I had been familiarized with it. And I didn't understand that you could have a personal relationship with God. I didn't even know if was God someone I would want that with because you see the lightning bolt thrower, you know. And so for me, I did give my heart to Jesus, but it wasn't accompanied by a, an instant feeling of gratitude and love. It, it was something that I felt like I was warming up to as I looked at him more through his word, through the people who represented him in a very loving way, through worship, all of these ways to look at him created in the love. So the more you look, the more you love. And this is how it was for me. So the feelings kind of came by faith. But this is what we want to do, is we want to keep looking. The more we look, the more we'll love. And then we have to fight for that first love. So I want to talk about somebody that had to have that same experience where he, he learned to look at Jesus and he learned to love Jesus. So the very person who got this revelation on the Isle of Patmos, the Apostle John in his 90s, earlier in his life when Jesus called him and his brother into being uh, one of the 12, he was called, they were called the Sons of Thunder, you know why? They were hot-headed, temperamental guys. If something wasn't going the way they wanted, they're like, Jesus, would you like us to call down lightning out of heaven? Any, of, any sons of thunder in here? I have a daughter of thunder vibe on me once in a while. Uh, but he was sons of thunder. But later, we find, as we're uh, discovering his writings in the New Testament, that over 80 times he writes about love. He grows to understand the love of Jesus, so much so that he refers to himself as the one Jesus loved. I don't think it's because Jesus loved him more than Jesus loves you or me, or the other disciples for that matter. I think it's because he just 
really focused on how much Jesus loved him. And he pressed in to be around Jesus all the time. He kept looking at Jesus all of the time. And so he'd sit next to Jesus when they ate. He'd follow Jesus and go here, go there, listen to his every word. He became the disciple Jesus loved. And as he did that, he dropped that vibe of sons of thunder and he became the uh, disciple Jesus loved. And so you and I can have that kind of a warm up to Jesus kind of experience. He so much so developed this that we're gonna pick up um, what is going on in his life uh, at the time where this revelation comes to him. All right, Apostle John, can you imagine now, uh, he has, uh, Jesus did indeed trust John quite a bit. He gave his mother to him to take care of, even though there were other brothers he could have entrusted her with. Uh, They moved to Ephesus. He's an elderly man by the time this is all happening. Domitian is the ruler. Now, some scholars believe that uh, because John would not bow down to Emperor Domitian, that he uh, was uh, sentenced to being boiled in a cauldron of oil. Now, uh, whether that's true or not, you didn't mess with Domitian, but many scholars believe it is. And I think what's so interesting is that John, even as an elderly man, his knees did not buckle. He did not give in, you know, and that would have to be a kind of a vulnerable feeling, be that age, taking on that kind of stuff. And he, he uh, survives it. He survives it. Domitian is not successful with killing him. So uh, historians believe that that's why he threw him on the Isle of Patmos, which was like an Alcatraz-type prison. It was an island. It wasn't like Hawaii, however. It was, it was a place prisoners were thrown. Some were put to hard labor there, perhaps in mines, but others were not uh, sentenced to that, but they were thrown there without food, without provisions, without clothing, without shelter. And this island did not have a lot of fresh water or vegetation, so they were just left there really basically to perish and die. And so this is where this elderly man is at the time, yet he did not buckle. Now we're gonna read what happens when Jesus uh, appears to him. In Revelation 1.12, now this is um, John writing, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. So these lampstands are the seven churches he's going to write to, the lights Someone like the Son of Man. Well, he knew the Son of Man that it referred to as Jesus in our New Testament. But this was someone like the Son of Man because this was Jesus appearing to him in all his glory. See, he had seen the natural form of Jesus and he had seen tastes of that glory when he did miracles and healings and things. But this was the full glory dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. And I want, us, I want you to notice where his eyes go as this is described. Reaching down to his feet with this robe, with a golden sash around his chest. So it's, they're coming up. Um, now, everything that we're reading has some kind of significance about the, the nature of Jesus. We won't get into all that today. But he's looking and observing the nature of Jesus in all its glory. 
The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. So he's up now. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze. And now his eyes are going, it's almost like looking into the sun. You got to look up and down. Everywhere he looked, it was just too glorious to keep your eyes there. Uh, His eyes were like a blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. So those seven stars are the pastors of those churches. And now Jesus taken that double-edged sword and said, here's what you did, good. Here's some things we're going to correct. And then he says, um, his face was like the sun shining in all his brilliance. So it doesn't matter. Wherever you look at Jesus, you're going to see something mind-blowing. Now, on earth, we get little tastes of that here and there. Okay, so we have to keep looking, all right? The more you look, the more you're going to love. But John's getting to see him in all his glory. Now, watch what he does when he sees him in all his glory. When I saw him, I fell on my face as though dead. Okay, now, mind you, this is the man who did not fall on his face as though dead when Domitian was walking him to a cauldron of boiling oil. He is not the man who fell on his face as though dead when he was sentenced to Patmos. No, his knees didn't buckle. And, but yet in a whoosh, when Jesus appeared to him, it was so overwhelming. You can't even hear his voice. You can't even see his eyes. You can't even see his feet. Nothing about Jesus is underwhelming. And everything is amazing. And so what, you know, when I read that, I'm like, I want that whoosh. I want that. I want it to be so if I'm going about my day and something's really bugging me, that instead of my knees buckling to that, I just look to Jesus and go, whoosh, your power is so much greater than this thing over here. I want to, when I'm watching some horrifying thing on on TV that uh, some horrifying event is going on in the world and my knees want to buckle, I want to be able to say no and look at Jesus and go, your power is so much better. But guess what? (laughs) We don't get to have that in its full measure yet. But there's going to come a day if you keep looking at Jesus and you keep loving him and you fight for your first love, there's going to come a day that all of this loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is absolutely going to be validated because he's going to come in all his glory and we're all going to be like, And so is the whole entire creation going to be that way. And so now we do it by faith. We walk through this life fighting for our first love, but then we will do it by sight. And so keep looking. The more you look at Jesus, the more you will love him with your whole heart, soul, mind. All right, so we're going to get into, um, as a last thing, What does that mean for Believer's Church? What does that mean? What are the core values under I fight for my first love? I fight for my first love. What does that mean? Well, I challenge myself to cultivate a personal and daily devotional life. No one will care about this more than me. I take personal ownership for my spiritual development. I am a self-feeder. So look, it's up to me to keep looking for Jesus. It's up to me to make sure my knees don't buckle. 
uh, at the stuff of this life. It's up to me to get into the scripture. It's up to me to worship him. It's up to me to pray. All of these kind of things, I fight for that. No one has to tell me what checklist to check off. I fight for it. Each service is sacred. I fight against familiarity. I will participate and value each moment of worship and teaching each service, not disengaged while on my phone. Ouch, that's, okay, I will stop doing that. In, um, uh, let me just say a little something about church service because this should mean a lot for church service, okay? And I'm gonna read you the core value breakdowns here. Um, You know, Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am, right? Okay, we know from the book of Revelation, he walks amongst the lampstands. We know that. We know the Holy Spirit is in us. So if we want to, we can really focus on the whoosh, you know? There was a time that there were some disciples of Jesus after the resurrection that were very depressed. They didn't even know Jesus was walking right with them. If you ever want to look that up, it's on the road to Emmaus. They didn't even know he's walking right there. And then when he finally revealed himself to them, they're like, weren't our hearts burning within us? I want to say to you guys, he's here. The Holy Spirit's here. Aren't our hearts burning within us? Appreciate this. Appreciate what he's delivering to you each and every week in a service. Appreciate he put a pastor over your lampstand who's studying all week to bring you stuff, okay? So appreciate that. Yes, and yes, thank you. Hey, after doing all this this week, I'm like, glad you're doing this job. All right. In ministry, it's easy to become a full-time Christian and a part-time follower of Christ. I will build intentional moments where I can sit in service without having to make it happen. Hey, look, if the guest minister today were Jesus, everybody come in. Don't be lingering in the lobby or anything. And let me, I say a big shout out to the uh, child care workers who often cannot get in there because we, we just don't have enough often for them. And so have a heart and help them out too. Thank you for being so consistent to help them and help them get in here. Um, my first love is not how we do church. My first love is Jesus. Therefore, we can do church a lot of different ways and it does not affect my worship. Listen, if Jesus were the guest speaker, we wouldn't be like, gee, I would have picked a different worship song. No, we'd be like, whoosh, okay? Listen to the music you want all week long. I fight to keep perspective by recognizing and remembering the, ver- the way the persecuted church lives out their faith all over the world. Yeah, when I want to complain about this, that, or the other, can I just remember that from the Ephesians to the people who are our contemporaries losing their life for the very gospel, can I appreciate the sacred thing that we have right here, the ability to come openly, celebrate the name of Jesus, study the word of God, give out Bibles, all of that. Can we appreciate it? What would it be like if our knees did not buckle every time that some annoying thing came our way, some tragic thing came our way? What would it be like if we fought for our first love all day, every day, and let that love go out there into a dark world. Let that help go out, give people a hand. Let, what would it be like if we all could fight for our first love? Are you game to ask God for help in doing this? Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that you really are worth uh, fighting for. We, you are worth giving our whole heart, soul, and mind, and strength to. We don't always know how much yet, but we certainly want to love you and worship you with all our hearts. Help us do it. Help us to see you. Help us look at you and love you with all we've got. And Lord, uh, thank you for helping us help others to see how loving you really are so that you can take them into life of fullness and the full measure of eternity. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wanna just ask if there's anybody in this room that you might be like me, like I was, you, kind of just trying to figure it all out and not sure what you think of God, but, but you feel prompted by him to start that journey today by saying, Lord, I want to give you everything. I want to trust you. I give my life to you today and I ask you to help me, help me to walk with you in this way. I want to discover your goodness. If there's anybody in this room that you feel like today is your day to make that decision with Jesus, if you raise your hand, I wanna say a prayer. I'm not gonna ask you to come up. Uh, we're all gonna say a prayer. Everyone's gonna repeat it, but if that's you, just pray it after me and mean it in your heart. And uh, if, if that's you, just pray it and mean it in your heart, and then we're gonna give you something afterwards. So everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my whole life today. Lead me, guide me, and teach me your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.